everybody, this is Cindy Fish. You are listening to the At His Feet podcast. I want to invite you today to set aside your whirlwind of busyness and mental to-do list to have a seat beside me at the feet of Jesus. Now let's pursue Him together. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the podcast. Today is a little bit different. I don't think it will be long. Um, I have, I guess I've, um, I've recorded once for this week. I did it about a week ago and then I, uh, had kind of planned out about two other episodes and nothing has really just felt right. And I had just been kind of in this, I'll, I'll talk about it. So basically I'm just going to kind of tell you where I'm at this week and what I feel like God's done in me this week. I do have a little helper here, Abby. Uh, She took a nap in the car a little bit ago, so she is not wanting to go down for a nap. And today is Wednesday, so basically um, not long from now the episode will air, and I have to have time to um, post it and all that stuff. So I do have a helper, and if you hear something, it's her. (laughs) I've got Cheerios and bananas and lots of little stuffed animals that she loves. So we're ready to go. I also forgot my microphone Mm. somewhere in the van. I guess it's just mom life. I don't know. But I figured I'll just do it anyway. So here we go. So I said I would just tell you kind of where I've been at. I found myself on this last Sunday I just felt so foggy. My mind felt hazy. And I just was really feeling so down. And um, I just, when I, when I am down, I, there's something that I have repeated to myself over and over just as a reminder, because sometimes when you're in the middle of something, whether you know exactly what that something is or not, it's weird to be down and not know exactly what it was. But I, I have found that when you're in the middle of something, you can't always decipher what is true and what is not, if that makes sense. And so there are some things that I know to be true. No matter what, I know them to be true. And so I remind myself if I forget. And, and this week, I on Sunday, I woke up and we're, we were in revival in Raymond, Mississippi, with the Phillips, and they have just a great church. They're a really wonderful family, and we really enjoyed being with them. But that morning, I just woke up feeling hazy, and I, I just said over and over, as I have many times before, God, I know that you are good, and I know that you are good to me. And I know that's not profound, and it's not deep, but I've told y'all before, I'm not anything profound or anything deep. I'm just real and um, hopefully relatable. (laughs) But so I just kept saying, God, I know that you are good and I know that you are good to me. Regardless of how I feel, my emotions can betray me, but what I know to be true does not change. And so I, even though I couldn't pinpoint it, I just felt down and, um, And so in knowing that, in realizing, hey, something's going on, I just started telling myself what's true. 
And, you know, when I say that God is good, when I say, God, I know that you are good, I don't mean good as in less than great or mediocre or okay. I mean good, fair, just, all things good, all things perfect. God is good. And I know that he is good to me. And I know that his plans for me and for you are good. You know what else I know and I love to remind myself is the scripture that um, I heard a couple years ago at Because of the Times. I'm not good with preacher names or titles, but the message that we heard was like so encouraging. And it just made me so proud to be a part of the apostolic church as a whole. And the scripture that he read was this, and it's the very last verse in the book of John. It's John 21 and 25. It says this, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could be written or should be written. And then so in knowing that, I don't know, I just think that's so incredible that even at that point in time, all the things that Jesus had done in those, you know, very few in the span of time, years of ministry, couldn't even be written in books. The books, all the books in the world couldn't even contain it. And uh, and if I, if I go back through the book of John, there were seven miracles that John told about in detail. <laughs> And so even after John had told all these different miracles, incredible things, like some of them that he tells about is, you know, the first miracle, Jesus turning the water to wine at the wedding in Cana, and then different healings when uh, Jesus walked on the water. That's in John. Um, Jesus healed a blind man. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. All those miracles. And not only that, but immediately before John's ending scripture, He describes the death and resurrection of Jesus. Then he goes out of his way and then the scripture to show that he showed himself to Thomas in the middle of his doubt, going as far as letting Thomas feel the holes in his hands from the crucifixion nails. And then John, even including the moment where Jesus calls Peter back to him, showing such unconditional love and reminding us of the miracle of the miracle of God's nature that he's not done with us just because we walk away or mess up, but he's ever reaching, ever loving, ever calling out to us like he did for Peter. Incredible, wonderful miracles all written out in the book of John, but there were so many things that he did that we never will know about. We couldn't know about because they were never even written, even in just that span of time. And so If I think about, what about today? What if John were to write his book today? How many more things could be written, you know? And that's how I know that God is good. I know that He's good. He he has done so much, not just as far as the miracles we read about in the Word, but as far as everyday miracles that maybe we don't take the time to stop and look and talk about enough. But if you're like me, sometimes you need a reminder. More than just that, more than just all the miracles that He did, I want to share with you kind of, I guess, my week. Like I said, I'm just cloudy-minded, hazy in my spirit. I've just felt low. Voices of not being enough, voices of insignificance, voices of not measuring up, voices of inadequacy, voices that would say that how it is now is how it will always be. 
and that regardless of what God has spoken, this is what it will be in certain situations in my life. You know, if you've never felt that way, you can go ahead and turn the episode off. It might not be for you. But if you have felt this way, or if you are feeling this way this very moment, realize that you are human. We are all but flesh. And I hope that it's okay not to have it all together every second of every day because I don't. I encourage you to listen in today because I'm not moping around. I don't plan to indulge in negative self-talk or tell you how horrible life is, but I plan to give you a plan of action. We won't be wallowing in negativity today, but we will be talking about what to do when these thoughts come against our minds or any other lies, you know, that the devil would tell you. So I know in reality that those voices that I'm talking about, those thoughts are untrue. And I know that they don't line up with the Word of God. But maybe you're sitting there and you really believe some of the lies that Satan has been speaking to you. Several years ago, someone I really admire, um, Sister Michelle Martin. I only knew her for a few short years, but I always thought that she was incredible at everything that she put her hands to. And she was just so much fun. She helped at the time lead my college and career Sunday school class. I was a new convert at the time. And she shared a prayer with us that she often prayed. I think about it often and I pray the prayer. I have written down in several journals and um, even in my phone notes. And uh, I think it will be helpful for you as it has been for me. And it was this. Lord, help me to identify the lies that I have built on as truth in my life. And if I misquote her, I'm sorry, but that is what I remember and that is what I have written down and I have prayed it over and over. In other words, God, show me what I have accepted and filed in my mind to be a simple truth, but it's actually a total lie. Show me where I've been deceived. Once you identify the lies that come to you, you can better prepare on how to respond, if that makes sense. And one thing that I've learned is that I have to combat the lies of the devil and negative thoughts with truth. Speaking scripture out loud silences those thoughts. It's almost like when that voice is brought out into the light, instead of letting it hide in the darkness of your mind, it gets really silent. It's absolutely crazy when you put it into practice. And you can see it to be true. Kind of like when you confront a a gossip, they're usually silent when brought to life. Brought to light. Don't you know that gossip whispers become silent when spoken to at a regular volume and spoken to directly? Whispers are no match for a full voice. And whispers become powerless when they are not allowed to be in the dark corners of your mind and in your heart. And we each have to let God's truth be loud and clear against the lies of the devil. Or if you think of that typical bully type, usually their mouth is louder than their actions. And when someone stands up to them, they often back down and find someone else to pick on. And when I think about how to go about responding to the lies that try to roll around in my head over and over. I think of this verse. 
The scripture is so simple, but it gives the answer of what to do. It's James 4 and 7, and I'll just read KJV. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I told you, simple. (laughs) But I like a part that the Amplified expounds on, and it doesn't just say resist the devil. It says resist the devil and stand firm against him. Stand firm. Put up a fight and the devil will flee. Give yourself a mental picture of standing firm. It may sound cheesy, but if it works, I don't care. The body language of standing firm says so clearly, I'm not moving. I'm not backing down. You can't scare me. You can't shake me. I am planted, firmly planted. I have learned and honestly remind myself often that I cannot let the lies like the ones I'm about to talk about stay in the dark of my mind. I can't stay silent. I have to put up a fight and I have to speak out. But maybe you're listening and you think, how? What do I do to stop this cycle? What do I do to get this cloud to lift? I hear what you're saying, but how in the world do I get this heaviness to go? And I think there's a lot of answers to those questions, but the most applicable for everyday life is this. When I'm by myself, when I don't have a church full of people surrounding me, when there's not worship music blasting and I can't just dance and shout, when I'm going through my daily routine and bam, Something comes against my mind, and I just can't seem to shake it. What I know to do is to speak truth. I remind myself of what is true. The armor of God verses in Ephesians 6 call the word our sword, more particularly the sword of the Spirit. And Hebrews 4 and 12 in KJV says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'll just be really open and uh, give you some real-life examples of how I fight back when an attack comes against my mind. Probably this is a place where I am attacked the most and have been, you know, for the longest amount of time. But in the last few years, really the last year, probably I have been so sick of it. And I'm just not, I'm not going to wallow in self-pity and I'm not going to allow these things to control my actions or anything like that. And so I've just, you know, when you get tired of something, you do something about it. And so that's why I want to share this with you. I know I'm not the only one. I know that the devil uses the same tricks over and over on God's people. And so I know what he has used on me surely has been used on you a time or two. The very first lie that I was ever uh, told, ever thought, you know, planted was the first time that I walked into an apostolic church. I was 17. Everyone looked so put together, and I knew what a wreck I was. I took one look around and immediately believed this lie. There's no place for you here. 
But if I had known then what I know now, I would have said Romans 5 and 8. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God saved a place for me at the cross. Knowing my sin, knowing every dark moment in my life and in your life, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since I didn't know any scriptures at all at the time and had really learned in my 17 years how to live with these negative voices, I stayed silent and I believed the lie for nine months. Nine months I sat on a pew every Sunday morning and then some Uh, believing that I didn't fit, believing that I was too far gone, too messy. And it's really a story for another day. But a preacher I didn't know at the time, who actually is now my bishop, and I'm so thankful for his voice, and I'm so thankful for his testimony. Uh, Bishop Doug White told his testimony at senior high youth camp, and that lie was forever shattered for me. Because all week I had heard kids talk about how awesome this man of God was and how powerful he was. And while I didn't understand everything going on, I knew what everyone was saying. And I knew that this man was just the real deal. And so to hear that he also had come from something not perfect, it just resonated with me. And I realized for the first time, hey, there is a spot for me here. Hey, there is something for me here. And the very next slide, it's like, even though that one was shattered, there's something else that came. And the next slide that came was, you have nothing to say. Have you ever felt like that? You have nothing to say. No one wants to hear your voice. No one wants to hear from you. You have nothing of value. You are nothing. You are nobody. I could continue. (laughs) But Acts 1 and 8 says, But you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's not only that we have something to say, but it's a command for us when we receive the Holy Ghost. And we talked about that, I think, in episode 3, but... Each of us have something to say, and God wants us to be a witness. All over the world, wherever you have been placed, wherever He's planted you, He wants you to be a witness, and you do have something to say. Your story is valuable, and and people need to hear it, whatever it is. What, even if it's you know something good that God has done that day or something God has brought you out of or or whatever you know it's our job it's our duty to to testify to others of the goodness of God in our lives whether we perceive it to be big or small it's important another lie that i have believed um in in times past was that the love of God hinges on on my goodness and what i have to offer God's love for me is bound to change or be conditional as others' love for me has been. I remember in the beginning of living for God, I kind of lived scared, kind of, um, if I messed up, I felt like, okay, so is this done, you know, or are are God's promises and his, his, you know, promises for good for me, have those ended? Did I mess those up? Have I uh, maybe changed his love? 
because of I messed up or, or said something wrong or, or questioned, but the truth is that's not true. And Romans eight thirty seven through 39 says this, For I am certain that nothing can separate us from His love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers, neither the present nor the future, neither the world above nor the world below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus our Lord. Another lie that I had kind of felt and and something that caused me heaviness in times past was this. I can't feel him. I can't see him. I don't understand. He has left me. He's not here. And a scripture that I would, in those times, once I realized, hey, this is not true, I began to quote this and say it out loud. Uh, Well, the end part of it, but I'll read you the whole scripture. It says this. It's from Job 23. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. And here's the part that I would quote. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. There was a season that this was my life scripture. I have it. I remember having um, the last part, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I had it written on a, even a, a mirror that I would look at every day to remind myself, I may feel forgotten, but God sees me and he knows. And not only does he know, but at the end of this, there will be worth and value and purpose in this trying. And, um, you know, I was just in this time of my life where everything that I knew to be true was under question, and I really believe that it was what you would call the trying of my faith. But I would repeat this over and over and out loud because I knew that the Word of God is true. It's unchanging, and that regardless of what I felt, God was with me, and God was for me. And you know, any other lie, maybe I, maybe there's things that go through your mind that I have never dealt with, but this one covers it all. And uh, any other thing that comes up, I just remind myself, and I'll just say it how uh, Jesus described in John 8 and 44. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Anything, any thought that comes that is not of God, that's not from you, that's, you know, a a thought trying to be planted by the devil, you just say this, you are a liar and the father of lies. You cannot speak truth. There is no truth in you. And that squashes that voice real quick. And one more thing I want to add. If God has promised you something, if God has given you a dream that something will come to pass, on the contrast of the last scripture, that there is no truth in the devil, that he cannot do anything but lie, I want to share this one. Perhaps to say that when you doubt or question a promise that God has made to you, 
You ought to speak this one over yourself and over your situation. Numbers 23 and 19 is the Amplified. says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good and fulfill it? If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. My personal favorite regarding the promises of God, you know, for me, the main promises that I hold on to are words that God has spoken to me about my family. I have a very broken, to say it lightly, family situation, not across the board, but in um, in a couple of relationships. And I just hold tight to promises that God has given to me and words that have been spoken to me regarding my family. And there's a lot of times, honestly, even on, um, we were at prayer meeting, honestly, uh, this Monday, and I was walking back and forth and I prayed for everything else. And I said, God, I don't know how much longer I can handle this, this where I feel torn, where there's this open wound, where when anyone else, when anyone asks about this certain relationship where I just kind of get stunned and, and it's this open hurting wound. And um, I said, God, I don't know how much longer I can do that. I need you to do something I, or I need to just know I need to hear from you again. And because it's easy to forget and it's easy to look at what the situation looks like and what we know as far as what we perceive, what we can see on the surface and forget God's promise. But the very next night, my husband when he preached and he started, he started talking about our prayers affecting others and praying in the spirit. And it's a message called the dependence of our prayers. So this message, it, it honestly, I've heard it before, but that night it spoke to me and I just cried and I just said, okay, thank you, God. Like you're reminding me my prayers are doing something, whether I can see it or not, they're doing something. But anyway, so for me, there's a scripture that I have memorized reminding myself that God will do what he says he will do and that the things that he has spoken will come to pass. And it's this uh, Romans 4, 20 and 21. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded what he had promised he was able also to perform. You know, sometimes we read, that's about Abraham. And sometimes we read these Bible stories and we think that our situations are so different and it's hard to relate. I want to remind you of this promise that Abraham was fully persuaded of. And even just a couple of details, not a whole lot. Today is really short that surrounded it. You know, the promise was that Not only would Abraham have a son, but he would be a father of many generations. And in in this time, God even changed his name. He changed it from, and it was when Abram was 99 years old. God promised that he would multiply him exceedingly. And God changed his name from Abram. Abram means exalted father to Abraham. Abraham means father of a multitude. Not only did God give him a promise, but he changed his name in the process. And 
you know, it would be easy to say, wow, what a promise. But it was 25 years that passed from when God promised into when he saw the promise come to pass. And when the promise was given, we know Abraham was so old, 99 years old, and and so was his wife, so was Sarah. But um, he believed, and it says that he staggered not at the promise through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. But my favorite part, being fully persuaded that what he was he had promised, he was able also to perform. And then I just say that and remind myself, I'm fully persuaded. God, what you have promised, you were able to perform. He is not a God of empty words and empty promises, but he's a God that comes through every single time. And if he says it, he will do it. And we've talked about that. I just hope that I've left you encouraged and maybe have given you a couple of tools today for your tool belt, practical, everyday tools. When those lies come against your mind, when thoughts come against your mind that you know are not of God or you know are not true, look in the Word. If there's something, um, maybe a lie that comes to you over and over and it's something that plagues your mind, like some of these that I've told you about in my life, get in the Word, dig in the Word, And look for scriptures that you can use that combat that lie, that go against that lie with truth. Use your sword. We can use it effectively. But we have to pull it out to use it, right? So memorize some verses. Memorize some scriptures. Memorize some truth that applies to your situation and your life. And I just want to leave you today being encouraged that If he's made a promise to you, he will come through. Thank you so much for listening. I know today was a little different, but I'll talk to you next time.